Hello, everyone, and welcome into episode 165 of Chairside Live. I'm your host, Megan Strong. In today's episode, Dr. Murashan is comparing Obsidian Presta Metal and Bruxier Interior. Then, we're introducing you to a new segment with our friend and Chairside Magazine contributor, Gary the Lawyer. He'll be talking about managing your Yelp accounts. But first, let's catch up with Dr. Murashan. Hello, and thank you for taking the time to watch one of my cases that started over a decade ago. Way back in the beginning of my dental technician career, I fabricated these PFMs on 8 and 9 for one of my dental technician colleagues. But not long ago, he stopped by to show me that he is noticing a crack on one of the crowns and also that the dark root of the endodontically treated tooth started to show. Another complaint he had was the uneven gingival margin and the length asymmetry of the central incisors. A closer look at crown number 9 reveals a cohesive fracture propagated at the margin. We know that most incidence of porcelain fracture with PFM is increased with long-term survival due to cyclic fatigue. The receding margin along with the thin gingival biotype covering the dark root and the gingival pigmentation observed on the papilla between 9 and 10 are making the tissue around number 9 appear very low in value. You see me here assessing the gingival biotype and sounding down to the bone. My measurements confirm there was no risk of violation of periodontium if I will remove no more than 0.5 to 1 millimeter of tissue. Here I'm approximating the gingival height with a piece of floss and from the measurements I knew I will not end up exactly at the same gingival level with number 9. But patient was aware that the amount of gingivectomy on number 8 will be dictated by the biological width and the amount of existing sulcular depth. This is a taper, narrow tip, zircut burr that I usually use to cut the zirconia restorations with, but for this case, I decided to reuse one and try it on these PFMs. There is a big color difference between these preps. For these types of cases, there are several material options and different approaches to mask the metal post and the discolored dentin. Slight gingival contour was also done on the left central and a 1.2 millimeter syringe preloaded with 3% hydrogen peroxide and a brush tip was used to remove the tissue tags. Because the old PFM had metal linguals, further lingual reduction was necessary and clearance was checked to ensure sufficient material thickness. Here I am finalizing the prep in a dried field placing the margin at the gingival level using a fine diamond burr before temporizing and allowing the tissue to heal. Prior to injecting Laxatemp into the tray to fabricate the temporaries, my assistant modified the pre-op impression to compensate for the tissue loss from the gingivectomy and the marginal changes. Note how gray the prep on number 9 looks under the temporary. I knew it would be a challenge to mask the dark dentin and the metal post if I will choose to go with a full ceramic or bruxed anterior crown. But because the post was very large into the canal, I opt not to mask the discolored dentin or the post with opaque composite. 
further removal of dark dentin from the ferrule and subsequently application of the opaque composite would have weakened the tooth even more. This is at the final impression appointment after the tissue was allowed to heal for two weeks. Note the thin gingiva on number 9 and how it picks up on the dark root underneath. It makes the tissue appear very low in value when compared to the tissue over the right central. After I re-measured the sulcus, minor laser touch-up was done prior to the final impression. Getting ready to take the impression, I use double cord technique with ultra pack double zero and two cord. My assistant recommended me the Fisher Ultra Pack Serrated Cord Packer and I decided to give it a try. I like it because it grabs on the cord and is perfect for anterior preps. Anatomical comper caps were placed and medium and heavy body capture material was used to take the final impression. There are different methods to mask the discolor prep of this tooth. Like I said, one would be to effectively make a normal color prep by using opaque composites. This allows the use of more translucent final restorations such as Braxer anterior or monolithic obsidian. The other option is to leave the prep as is and use PFM or Braxer solid zirconia crown. Since I left the prep as it was, I thought obsidian pressed to metal would be a great choice because will completely cover the post. However, for this trying, I decided to also look at Braxer anterior. This is an outstanding beautiful high translucent zirconia and I wanted to see just how much an unmasked metal post would show through. Here are the Braxer anterior crowns at the try-in. This was not a surprise. I knew the left central will display a low value since I decided not to mask the darkness of the prep. Obsidian pressed to metal turned out to be best for this situation where I will still get some of the optical properties of the translucent material at the incisal edges and will blend nice with the surrounding dentition. But because of the low value of number 9, there was an extra step I did perform in my attempt to brighten the root below the tissue. I had my assistant use boost and bleach the ferrule in the attempt to get the gingiva to look more pink. In the end, the obsidian pressed to metal did mask the post, but there wasn't a drastic change after bleaching. Tissue still look slightly low in value. After final cementation of obsidian pressed to metal crowns, the gingiva on number 8 didn't quite match number 9, but without violating the biological width, it was an improvement from where we started. Patient did not notice the minor differences in gingival asymmetry, and he was very happy with the result. Thank you again for watching. Back to you, Megan. Thank you for that, Dr. Murashan. All right, now it's time for a brand new segment featuring our in-house legal counsel and Chairside Magazine contributor, Gary Pritchard, or as we affectionately call him, Gary the Lawyer. Take it away, Gary. Hi, I'm Gary Pritchard, in-house counsel for Glidewell Laboratories and the author of the Gary the Lawyer feature, new to Chairside Magazine. In this scintillating series of articles and videos, my goal is to give you information you can actually use, after consulting with your own lawyer, of course, rather than just vague discussions and confusing treatises that are heavy on syllables but light on utility. 
As always, please remember that the information that I'm providing does not constitute an attorney-client relationship, is not intended as legal advice, and is not a substitute for obtaining legal advice from a qualified attorney. I'm going to tell you how I have been able to get Yelp to remove some negative reviews. You can find the actual letters I wrote on the online or print version of Chairside Magazine. But here's the idea behind the letters. First, go to the Yelp website and look at its general guidelines. The area on the website where it gives the user the standards for posting on its site. The idea is to show Yelp that the offensive post is in violation of one or more of these guidelines. For example, one of its guidelines states no threats, harassment, lewdness, hate speech, or other displays of bigotry. Now put your politically correct pants on and pay attention because this is the key. If you can tie the harassment or discrimination into one of the legally protected categories, that is age, race, sex, disability, religion, national origin, etc., you can substantially strengthen your complaint. Let's say that the complaint states that your dental equipment is old and outdated. You feel harassed or discriminated against because of your age. Someone makes a complaint that your fat hygienist was mean. She felt harassed because of her disability. Yes, obesity is now a disability in and of itself, and a notarized statement from her attesting to the harassment can only strengthen your Yelp complaint letter. Are you understanding the program? Can you smell what I'm cooking? Other Yelp guidelines can be equally helpful. Here are just a few ideas. Yelp states that reviews should not be written by competitors in your industry. If you suspect a competitor is behind a complaint, you should certainly point that out to Yelp, along with any evidence to substantiate your position. Yelp says no commercial promotional content. Therefore, if the review has any reference to businesses or other products other than yours, you have grounds for an objection. For example, if the review complains that you don't use the state-of-the-art TS-150 mill from Glidewell Laboratories, you could object. Or you could just treat yourself to one through any of our fine dealers. Yelp states that the reviews aren't the place for rants about a business's employment practices, political ideologies, extraordinary circumstances, or other matters that don't address the core of the consumer experience. Accordingly, you should complain about reviews by disgruntled former employees. You can be sure if it's a complaint about your practice, it's an extraordinary circumstance. Use that. Yelp states that the reviews should not publicize other people's private information, including full names. So if they use the personal name of either you or any of your employees in the negative review, make a complaint. Yelp states that the review should discuss first-hand consumer experiences only. So be sure to object to any review that says, my wife or my mother or my husband received horrible treatment. One last point to note. In my successful attempts to have reviews pulled from Yelp, I addressed the letters to Yelp's Agent for Service of Process, which can be found through the website of the California Secretary of State. I think that gives the letter some extra attention. Yelp also informed me that emailing an objection to the website is another way to complain about a violation of their company standards. I think it's a good idea to use both. Use the shotgun complaint approach. Get two looks at your complaint and point out multiple violations of the guidelines in each complaint. 
throw it all out there, make something stick, and keep those Yelp reviews of your business fair, accurate, and representative of the great work that you do. Good luck out there. Thank you for that, Gary. That's some good practical advice. And you can look forward to more great information from Gary the Lawyer in future episodes. But until then, that's it for this episode of Chairside Live. So on behalf of everyone here at Glidewell Laboratories, we thank you for watching, and we'll meet you right back here next week.